This podcast is now streaming on the Accounting Influencers main show. Subscribe to the Accounting Influences podcast to listen to more content just like this. You can also watch this episode on YouTube. Please like and subscribe to learn even more from the very best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Best Practice in Accounting with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Brought to you by Dext. Welcome to Best Practice in Accounting with me, Rob Brown. This is a weekly podcast going out as part of the Accounting Influencers Podcast Network. I'm usually here with Martin Bissett, but in a series of special guest slots, we have Lucy Cohen with us today from Mozilla. Lucy, good day. Hi, Rob. How are you? We're doing great. And it's wonderful to have you with us because you are on the coalface. This is our practical Here's What Works episode that goes out to accounting practitioners all over the world, Lucy, and you are doing it. You're running a firm, you're employing people, you're coming up with best ways to do things. And what's on your heart today that you're going to share with our listeners? It's, it's an old favourite, Rob. It's the germ I've been banging for about 15 years now. Um, and it's a lesson I've learned through bitter experience. And it's the ability and having the strength to get rid of your poor fit clients and to grade your clients A, B, C, D and how you work your clients through that model. It's something we do ad nauseam at Mazuma. It feeds into every part of our offering and it works its way through the images we use on our website, through our brand, through the copy we use, through the sales channels, through our communication routes. That client grading, that A, B, C, D, everything we do leads us to only having those a grade clients and only b clients that we can upgrade to a um and i don't see enough firms doing it regularly i don't see them making it part of what they do and they are suffering for it let's ask that question why aren't they doing it what's the consequences of not grading your clients so the consequences of not grading them is that you end up with a client base where i mean if we look at the statistic yeah, a b c d call it 25 percent each 20 to 25 percent of your clients are likely just if you haven't got a strategy by you know the fall of the dice to be degrade clients they are taking up your time they are taking up your energy they're not paying you enough money and they don't fit with the thing that you are an expert at doing they are to put it really bluntly stopping you growing your practice and they are stopping you being the best practice you can be they are ruining all of your efforts a little bit like you know if you've ever tried to get fit or uh, lose a bit of body fat and you're super good all week and then at the weekend well not you Rob you're far more disciplined than me but you go out on a bender and you eat and drink all the wrong things and you undo in those two days you can undo five days of good work that is what having C&D clients on your books does to your business it undoes all of your good work on the other ones. Well your words were quite interesting you said the strength and the ability so I'd add to that the intention as well, because you can have all the strength and let's say courage would be another word for strength. Yeah. You can have all the courage and the ability to dissect, to segment your clients. But if you don't want to do it, I don't have the intention to do it. That's not going to work, is it? Yeah. And I think that intention is a really interesting point. I think a lot of people intend to do it or they they know they should do it. They know they should do it, you know, in their heads. They know this is something they should be doing. But there's this 
strange need to cling on to those clients and it's either through a nostalgia we all love a bit of nostalgia um i remember wagon wheels and if you're listening to this in the uk it's a small biscuity sweet thing um they always seemed really big when i was small and i nostalgia of them they never taste as good as i remember they tasted as a kid um so the nostalgia maybe they Nostalgia is not what it used to be. Nostalgia is not what it used to be. Oh, that's a dad joke, Rob. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, maybe nostalgia. Maybe these were some of your clients that you first took on when you started your practice and, and now you've outgrown them, but it's hard to let go of them. But you're talking about the fears here of what stops people from growing the clients. They might not be aware of the need to do it, but if they are aware that it's important to do it and they still don't do it, it's these fears of losing, missing out, missing out on revenue, upsetting people, all of these barriers to actually doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And fear is exactly the word I was going to use next. The fear, when I speak to practice owners about this, the fear that they have kind of, um, th th there's a couple of them. The first is that the client will go around bad-mouthing them and that uh, they will go and tell all the other clients, that, especially if they work in, in just one geographic area. Right, reputational damage. Absolutely. They go around and say, well, this person's not taking on clients like us anymore and they don't want our business. They're too good for us now. That isn't a thing. It doesn't happen. The next is that uh, they will lose out on referrals from those clients and I'll, I'll quite often get the objection, but those clients refer other clients to me. And then I'll ask, but what sort of clients do they refer to? They refer clients exactly like them because we all move in similar circles. So you just end up with more clients that you don't want. Um, yeah, so it's this, the, it's very fear-based and it's a really hard thing um, to break up with a client and to say, you know, you, this is why you need strategies in place when you do it, you need to work with other people to, to make that happen. And it's for both of your own good. It's for your, your good of you and your in your practice and also for the good of the client. Because let's face it, you know when you've got a D client, you don't want to pick up the phone to them. They're the last person's work you do. You kind of feel like, oh no, they're a real kind of sap on your, your energy. Um, you don't want to work with them and you're kind of doing them a disservice by doing it. So let them be with someone who's going to make them happy. Mm. There is a way to let go of a client graciously so that bridges are intact and you don't upset people. We could do a whole episode on that, but let's talk practically. Lucy, you've let go of clients. You've segmented your clients. The concept really is that the A clients are your best ones and your D clients are your worst ones. So let's ask you practically, how do you define which kind of client goes into which category? So for us, our A clients, um, we've got a very clear uh, client persona. Um, so that is, it's a sub 500K turnover, fewer than five staff. Um, and half our client base aren't even VAT registered. So they're that small. We're working in a real micro space. Instantly, anyone comes to us that falls outside of that remit, we just say no to. We don't take them on in the first place. Um, so that helps us to do that. We make it very clear at the point of onboarding with clients that if they outgrow us, we'll need to move them on. Okay, so you're managing expectations early. Yeah, and we manage the expectations in our sales cycle as well. So like I mentioned earlier, the copy, the copy on the website, the tone of our language, the demographics that we advertise to, and with Google and Facebook and that now, the, the insight you can get into who's looking at your ads is shocking. Um, we can very clearly target only the people who fit our demographic. There's no point casting a wide net and wasting money on people who aren't going to fit. And then we do it in the sales cycle. And this is the, I'd say for us, the, most challenging bit because salespeople want to sell and they also they you know, they have commission-based pay um so it's quite tempting for them to sell the wrong thing so we have to very closely track churn and educate train um and very much discourage 
people from making the wrong decision at sign up because we want that long-term relationship with the client we're not after a quick buck so that's an education at the, at the point of sale as well uh, and all those things combined like don't get me wrong we did not get this right for a long time when we started up we did what everyone does which is take on anybody and then figure it out later but as we started getting it right uh, we started and when a client churns we go well let's look at were they the right clients was it them or us and, and we analyze that and even now um, to really quite kind of granular detail um, and that's yeah and that's how we do it and we stick to it and we keep reviewing what makes an ABCD client as technology changes as the way we talk to people changes does that shift it and we just keep defining it and keep going through our client base and we do it periodically probably every six months or so we our staff work in pods and we go through with the pods each uh, set of clients and are they an ABCD and then we um, we take the appropriate action yeah and we've got so much data now in the accounting world, the fintech world, the software that you're dealing with. So segmenting your clients seems to be partly emotional and feel and gut and vibe and relationship and all of those words. But it must be partly on data, too, isn't it? Hard metrics, hard numbers. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, it has. It, it has to be hard metrics. Yeah, we the play, the times we've had difficulty with it is when we've got an absolutely delightfully lovely client who is just gorgeous to work with but they don't fit and then you don't want to get rid of them because they're so lovely and then you don't put their fee up and you know they're not working and you know that ultimately that relationship could sour because an expectation won't be met somewhere so you have to at that point go look this is quit while the going is good and let's kind of send them away with a hug but yeah that data is so important and for us it's all about we measure things like how many uh, transactions on average per month do they have um do they use our um uh, mas app our technology properly are they how often are they logging in how often are they engaging with us and we can really start predicting who's going to churn based on the fact that they're not using things or they're if they're asking too many questions, so maybe the level of support they need is beyond what we can offer them. That's a trigger as well. One we have is um, the number of first call resolution emails we can deal with. Um, so if they have a certain percentage of emails that aren't done on a, on a first resolution basis, that suggests they're requiring increasingly in-depth advice and advisory that our service doesn't really cover because they're going back and forth and back and forth. And we have to look at that in terms of, well, is that a staff training issue is that accountant perhaps just not articulating properly what's needed or do they have are they, is their business growing and it's doing brilliantly and they have more and more questions and more and more complexity and it's just time to move them on so we measure those kinds of things average handling time on the phone is one we measure um yeah you can get very granular um you can get very nerdy about all this stuff <laughs> as accountants <laughs> tend to do i get that i'll ask you in a minute Lucy, just to finish up this section with two or three practical tips that uh, accounting professionals can do to get started down this road or hone what they're already doing. But just before that, you're the owner of your firm. You are the Mazuma brand. What would you say to accountants that are beholden to their owners? And it's not their decision to let clients go, but they're working the portfolio. They're working the book of clients. They don't have that power. How can they change their segmentation i think you need to make a business case for it so ultimately if you're not the one that um wields the axe uh, you need to you need to make the case so you have to say look these people are taking up x percent of my time and i would be x percent more productive if i could only deal with this size of client and here's four slides which will tell you why this is a good thing and in fact i'd like to try this 
and if it works we can keep it and if it doesn't I'm going to zip it and you won't hear from me again and just make that case I love it when my staff come to me and don't do the classic um tell me the light's broken and instead they come to me and ask me where the light bulbs are and that's kind of that's what you want to do is go you know, go forward to partners whoever's in charge and say look I think I can improve things and I think this will or all the buzzwords they want to hear, this will increase client engagement, increase retention, yeah, retention. we'll be able to put the fees up if we could just do this. I think that's the way you approach it. And what leader wouldn't listen to somebody like that, an employee coming to you? All owners worth their salt would want profitability and want happy staff working with the right kind of clients. Absolutely. You're making a case, not just yourself as the employee in terms of your engagement, but you're making the case for the business and make it a business case in a language they speak and you should be listened to. Yeah. So just to finish this bit off then, Lucy, how can people get started with this? Have you got a little one, two, three step or a couple of tips for our listeners to take away with them on grading clients? Yeah, so a really, um, a really, I say fun, I'll let other people judge if it's fun, but a good one we did when we were finding people were emotionally attached to clients um, was to anonymize the client base. So, and it's, it's a little bit, you know, you depersonalize it, but for good reason. So you segment them without the names and you put down the categories of what the whether it's your business type or employee numbers or turnover or whatever other metrics you're using that data we just talked about and then you decide right my a clients will be this my b clients will be that my c clients are that and then these are my d's you do it and then with your sneaky little v lookups you can add the names back in afterwards and lo and behold that will tell you it without any emotional attachment to those clients and that's a way to get over the hump of, but I really like that client. And Lucy, just before we let you go, you're very active on social media. I've seen you and a couple of other people putting posts out like three heads are better than one and three is the magic number. What's all that about? What are you on with? Oh, uh, yeah, you're on, to, you're on to me, Rob. Um, so this is a um, this is something that myself, Carl Reader and Will Fonnell are working on together. And it's essentially a coaching mastermind bonanza uh with the three of us and i'm incredibly excited about it i've known will and carl for a very long time and it's going to be amazing to be able to offer the rest of the profession some really quite unique coaching experiences with us because as you as you saw on social media uh three heads are better than one and we all have approached building our practices in very different ways um, and I think it's going to offer people a really unique chance to kind of really get into the brains of three people who've probably made every mistake you could ever make in your lives collectively, but are very happy to share about it. Yes, and uh, you're here established in the UK. We have an international li listenership here, so it will be going out internationally, I guess, because what you are doing in your firms to make it work and want to pass on will work for accountants anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. When these aren't UK specific issues, these are worldwide global issues that the accounting profession faces. And uh, between the three of us, we've got that international experience as well. So yeah, I'm super excited to, yeah. uh, and it's to get going. Quickly, uh, what are some of the flaws with the accountant mentoring, coaching and support that you see going on out there? Because there are other groups, aren't there? Yeah, there are other groups and they all, they've all got their benefits. And I think ultimately, you know, regardless of what anyone like me is going to tell you, obviously I'm, you know, I'm pitching here, but what anyone's going to tell you is you've got to find the thing that inspires you and works for you. You know, you do you. But what makes me really uncomfortable with some of them is the kind of my way or the highway approach. And some people respond really well to that. And there are plenty of inspirational speakers out there who, who kind of have that approach. But 
I think it leaves you very vulnerable to kind of, it's a bit dogmatic, I suppose, and it doesn't give you many options to change course without kind of having to go through a whole new uh, coaching cycle again. I think having three heads instead of just one gives an opportunity to hear us disagree and to know that you, you, the grown-ups aren't going to uh, are always going to agree on something, but actually that's fine and that's healthy, and that um, you that's where the that's where the magic happens is where you have differing opinions because that's where you can kind of dig into and delve into the detail and figure out actually what works uniquely for you rather than just following exactly what someone else tells you to do. Great that it's all about what works. Uh, we're going to look forward to announcements on pronation in the next few weeks. But for now, on our best practice in accounting show, sharing with us what works and grading clients. Thank you so much, Lucy Klein. You're so welcome. Nice to meet you, Rob. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Best Practice in Accounting with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Leading the discussion on firms that are standing out, winning work and becoming the top performers in the accounting and fintech world. Brought to you by Dext.